What is up, entrepreneurs? You are watching the Non-Corporate Network, the worldwide leader in entrepreneurship. This is Entrepreneurs, a show where Dustin and I debate the top six trending small business headlines for three minutes each. We each give our take, and then I walk home victorious, uh, basking in glory, and uh, we move on with the rest of our days. You know, you guys are hustlers, uh, so you guys got stuff to do. Dustin, how'd I do on that intro? Once again, nothing but but broken dreams. Um, yeah, I mean, we really do need to get that uh, something going to show who's winning and who's not because it's it's uh, you're dreaming, dreaming. Well, we're going to be doing something uh, a little bit new on on the the show. We're going to be bringing two of our six stories that are going to be local focused stories. Uh, so yeah, we got some Arizona business news for you guys um, moving forward. But uh, without further ado, let's just dive right into it. Uh, so our first story, a new small business relief proposal, even bigger than the triple P, could be part of the next stimulus bill. It's called the Restart Act, and it focuses on um, kind of a more long-term vision of what the triple P did in the, uh, in the short term. Um, loans will not be completely forgivable, uh, and uh, they will be on terms of about seven years as opposed to the triple P being about a year. Uh, they're also geared towards businesses with up to 5,000 employees compared to uh, businesses with up to 500 employees. And, and one kind of uh, big change as well is that uh, there's there's some uh, stipulations in terms of what the money can be spent on outside of payroll, outside of general expenses like rent. Um, they're allowing for businesses to spend this money on uh, protective gear for employees, whether it be masks, face shields, gloves, things of that nature. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and it's also amazing to see that this is a bipartisan bill, so it's coming from both sides of the aisle. But, um, Dustin, my question to you is, is this better than the Triple P, and is this something that, um, that we should sign off on and, and move forward with? I think overall, I mean, for taxpayers, that's where the, the money's coming from. I think it is a better... Um, plan only because you know the other one with as much as forget uh forgivable you know you have uh, money that's not gonna be coming back in at least this it, it helps keep uh money exchanging hands but also it's being paid back so the taxpayers are being paid back one thing that i think is missing though is uh that would have been great to see is some type of stipulation or incentive to uh to, to hiring or keeping people um you know People have gotten a black eye. Business has gotten a black eye, and so they're going to be really, really big on saving as much money as they can, and and that might prevent a hiring or two for the next six, twelve months, whatever that may be. So, um, you know, if you if you give people more money for doing a certain action, it's funny how those actions just happen. And if at the end of the day, if our long term goal is to get more people working, it would have been great to see something uh, like that baked in. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, and, and the other side of the coin, too, is that we talk about how, you know, 92% of businesses have kind of reinvented themselves or have pushed the in innovation envelope. And I think when you push the innovation envelope, sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean more employees. It maybe means more bandwidth to less employees in terms of the technology that they're using um, and the way that they run their business, you know? Uh, it's like Best Buy, they don't have as many people on the on the showroom floor because they don't need it when the, the stores are closed. And so, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of that. And I mean, like to your point, 
if there if if this money can be used for a variety of things other than just payroll, but the outcome that's desired by the government is hire more people. And it's I don't even know if that's the desired outcome. It could just be more business profitability as opposed to more people being employed. And I mean, you bring up a good point. If if people are getting more money, they're going to spend it, which is going to create hiring in other industries where that money's right. going. So ultimately, it is going to create job creation, which uh, I think is the the end goal. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I hear you on that. Um, well, getting into our next story, uh, U.S. small business bailout money flowed to Chinese-owned companies. Uh, so uh, just looking at some numbers here, according to the consulting firm Horizon Advisory, uh, between $192 million and $419 million of the $660 billion triple P loans went to Chinese entities that are or Chinese-owned or invested entities based in the U.S., uh, many of these loans were quite sizable. Uh, 32 different Chinese-owned businesses received loans in excess of $1 million. Um, this is, this is a, it, it kind of sounds troubling off the jump, but Dustin, what are your thoughts on where this money was distributed? Um, was this a clerical oversight uh, or is this something that uh, is fair and how much act, how much money actually went to the small businesses that really did need it? Yeah, I mean, you got one side of the coin where it's uh, these Chinese-owned companies. Yeah, they are hiring and employing U.S. Uh, citizens, which is great. But I mean, there's been so many stories coming out where uh, government watchdogs are citing that um, you know there's a ton of fraud going on, and so I mean, it's uh, it's kind of one of those things where it seems like again we got things in motion before we really thought them through, and and uh, if the ultimate goal was to keep money here in the states, I think uh, didn't do that by by creating loopholes. I mean, you know, that is one of the the unfortunate things whenever you have to make quick action or decision. Right. Um, you know, it's it's one thing that I'm excited about this new one that we mentioned in the previous story um, is that. Anyone that has 5,000 or more employees, um, it's not forgivable. And I think seeing more stuff in there where it's you can't get it if you fall into these parameters rather than just giving it to everyone, I think will help. It's not funny help, money anymore. Yeah, I think it'll help curtail that. But I mean, I mean, what are your thoughts? You think, I mean, and, and another thing is if, if the argument is did other small businesses not get it because of this? It's like, well, there's a huge pot of money that has been untapped and unused. So it's not like they're using money to prevent others from getting it. So well, I mean, it's hard to argue. Shame on the media for trying to permutate this story as some kind of scandal. I mean, if these businesses are legally US based, even if there's a Chinese business that is invested in it, these are US based employees, US based company. They are entitled to the, the small business loans just like anyone else if they qualify. So this isn't necessarily some international CIA scandal here. Uh, but, you know, I, it's interesting to see. I mean, I, I think the other side of this, too, is that how many businesses got the stimulus and it prolonged them staying in business for another three months where they blew through that money and then still went out of business. Maybe that pot should have just gotten bigger for unemployment as opposed to, you know, just burning that cash uh, for three months. So, I mean, you know, like you said, you got to make decisive actions and move. Quick. Yeah, I mean, you got that guy, I think, what, in Florida that ended up buying a couple of Lambos or something <laughs> like that with PPP dollars. Yeah. It's like, I mean, if that happened, I can only imagine how many other things happened right. that had right. smarter people pulling the strings that that funnel the money elsewhere that, yeah. again, stayed out of the United States. And so that's... Well, we previously reported that a lot of people got stimulus checks that were deceased. And so, I mean, there's <laughs> so many different clerical oversights that are happening when you move this quick and you don't have personnel that's ready to go. So... Yeah, it's uh yeah, it's it's hard. 
Um, well, getting into our next story, Mountainside Fitness, Scottsdale-based corporation, um, they won their their lawsuit against Doug Ducey uh, in regards to mandated gym closures. The big argument was, well, if you're going to allow restaurants to stay open, you're going to allow people to sit there and talk and eat food. You know, we have made our health clubs safe, um, safer than most restaurants. You can't make us stay closed. And so, uh, you know, uh, this, this is something that's a, it's a historic ruling. Um, and uh, it, it, uh, it, it looks like the, I mean, look at this temporary restraining order slash injunctive relief was granted. So, uh, you know, this is a big win. Uh, it sheds a lot of light on Arizona businesses. And uh, yeah, Dustin, what are your thoughts on how this was handled and uh, how the ruling went? No, I think the ruling, it, it should be that. I mean, don't force the business to close down. If anything, if people don't want to go to that business because they feel unsafe, then don't go. But I mean, telling someone they can't operate and uh, cut off all the income that helps pay for their mortgage, their family's bills and all that. I mean, that's tough. I, you know, they, they fought back and, and weren't heard. And I mean, how they approached it, they came out, you know, pounding the chest, very obnoxious. And I think that's what needed to be done in order to, to get this passed through. Um, I mean, how are your thoughts on, on how they handled it? I mean, could there have been a different way, uh, less government bashing, I guess, or, I mean, it, it, would that be a good approach? Yeah. I mean, it's never a great look when you're kind of saying, Hey, the governor's a criminal and that's how <laughs> you're going to get attention. But you know, in our society of headline reading, sometimes that's what it takes to turn heads. So you can't bash it too much because it worked. I mean, the thing I'll say is that we're fighting for equality as citizens, regardless of the race. And so if as citizens were created equal, why are businesses not created equal if you're going to not close restaurants, but you are going to close gyms? And so I think he did shed some light on that business equality conversation. And, you know, so regardless of how it was approached, whether it was bashing the government or not, you know, we see a lot of this bashing the government with Donald Trump and, uh, you know, what's happening with the uh, citizen equality. So, you know, again, it's hard to argue. Yeah. I mean, do you think more small businesses are going to follow suit? I think that this precedence has now been set, you know, this is an historic ruling that is going to continue to be referenced if there are more mandated closures. And so I think that, you know, this is a, like I said, it's a historic case, you know, so I think it's, it's cool to see that this is happening in Arizona. And, you know, if there are more mandated closures, this, this case is going to continue to be cited. Yeah. And I think, I mean, again, people want, I, I'm seeing it quite a bit on, uh, you know, social media, people just want to get back out there. And, and it's just one of those things where it's leave it up to the people to decide what they want right. to do. Um, I know it kind of surprised me that, you know, gyms were shut down. It surprised me the approach that was taken where it's like, ah, these, these particular businesses need to shut down. These can stay open. Um, I mean, who's to really say what can shut down, what can't. Well, it's power back to the people, power back to the small business owner. Obviously, they've affected change um, and been successful doing it. And it's only going to further kind of incentivize other business owners if there's things that they're struggling with to take a stand. But um, before we get into our next story, I want to mention that we are powered by State 48. State 48, thank you guys for your support. It's an amazing organization that's still flourishing amid the pandemic, just helping bring awareness to really amazing causes, doing a lot of really cool um, partnerships as well as uh, just interesting new product lines coming out. Um, Dustin, do you have anything you want to add about Safe 48? Yep. Clothing for All inspired by Arizona. They have a new website launching today or tomorrow. Um, so it'll be, it'll be, it looks really cool. I've seen behind the scenes check and it uh, looks awesome. So check them out, state48.com. So going into our next story, Uber drivers are severely impacted by the coronavirus restrictions. Um, 
So Uber employs, there's about three to 3.5 million drivers in total. And so 90% of those drivers say that they have lost 80% or more of their income. Um, over the pandemic, their average hourly is, is cited at about $5 an hour. Um, very tough to uh, make a, a livable income there. Um, a third of, of these drivers, or again, 3.5 million, a third of these people said that they're, uh, they're not going to be able to make their car payment next year and, or next month and continue to be able to drive. And so we're going to have a huge wave of uh, um, repos and, and defaults there. Um, what's crazy, though, is it's an interesting interesting statistic about a fifth of drivers don't wear masks and so it's like you know if you're if you're complaining about money not coming in and drivers not you know using you you would think that you'd take as much safety precaution to uh to get people to ride with you but i mean at the end of the day it's uh you know should there be bailout money for for these people should uber and lyft be uh helping them i mean my thoughts are uber and lyft should be helping them pay some of those wages because if you lose a ton of drivers once this comes back, if you don't have enough drivers, you're you're not gonna be able to fulfill, and you're not gonna be able to grow. And so it's 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 up to them to to pad their their long term uh, revenue by by helping out. But I mean, what are your thoughts on these numbers? Yeah, no, I mean it's troubling to see that many drivers uh, between Uber and Lyft, and uh, to see that big of a drop off. I mean, some of these people, it's their livelihood. Maybe they can't qualify for another job, or the flexibility of that schedule through Uber or Lyft is what keeps them afloat. And so to say, well, just go on unemployment, now they're cutting themselves off from getting any money from Uber, Lyft, driving, even though there is kind of a limited amount. And so you're incentivizing people to just do nothing. Um, I think that's tough. And obviously now with unemployment running out, it's, it's you know, we've punted enough on this conversation. We need to figure it out. But I know that Uber and Lyft were distributing masks and plexiglass dividers and things of that nature. And I mean, it didn't necessarily kickstart it any more than people not wearing masks. I don't think people are not using Uber or Lyft because the drivers aren't wearing masks. I think it's just the nature of the business and the nature of where we're at with COVID and the nature of people not traveling as much right now um, with the stay-at-home order and everything else. So, I mean, hard to say. I, I, I would definitely say there is some responsibility from Uber and Lyft, but you get into this line of work and, you know, this is the kind of downfall that you have compared to being a W-2. So, uh, you know, I see both sides of it, but um, it's definitely a tough situation. And I think that they definitely need to be helped out a little bit, especially with what, 3.5 million people. Yeah. It's a lot of people. And, and even then, though, uh, I mean, I go back to AI and my argument all the time is like we are seeing the writing on the walls. You can either sit and keep doing what you're doing and not grow your skill set and get left behind or you figure it out. It's like we're now in what month four or five of this. And it's like, you know, <laughs> things haven't been getting closer to opening up if you haven't tried to figure out how to create a new revenue source, then, uh, you know, how much responsibility falls on you as a, as a human being. Yeah. That's uh, tough. Going on to our next story. So the motor coach industry, which I didn't even know that, uh, there's spokespeople in the motor coach industry, <laughs> um, but they're looking to Congress to help keep buses on the road. Uh, so the motor coach industry, there's over 3000 private bus companies. Um, it's actually a $15 billion annual industry. Um, they're projected to only do about 4 billion this year. Um, 40% of the businesses are looking to be closed by end of the year, and that's on a permanent basis. They're going to Congress and asking for $10 billion in grants and uh, $5 billion in low-interest loans. Um, 
really i mean is the, would this be the best use of money i mean my thoughts are if you if people are flying less people still want to travel so i mean they might invest into motorhomes or motor coaches do renting i mean from there if you get more people doing that you have people spending money across state lines so you're kind of fueling the economy at a national level um, as more people are traveling and so i could see where where the money could be well used there but i mean what are your, what are your thoughts uh, my thoughts are that if you're talking about buses and uh, like Greyhound-esque type of services that you're just asking them to burn money to get three people in the bus across the country. And it's just like, we want to stay open, but we're going to not be profitable for the foreseeable future. I, I think that there's a, a big, there's a big difference between air travel and motor coach travel. I think there's plenty of alternatives to motor coach travel, whether it's renting a car, buying a car, uh, you know, taking an Uber or Lyft. Uh, there's many, many alternatives. And while those may be a little bit cost prohibitive, I think that it's the wrong call saying, hey, let's just lose money willingly for the next, you know, 12 months just to keep these these companies rolling. And I know it's uh, I know it's tough. You know, there's some people that rely on that kind of transit. but you know, overall, it's 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 one of those things where some industries are going to be really hurt. And there's if there's alternatives, then, you know, people are going to take the alternatives. Airfare is something that there's really no alternative. You want to go a long distance in a short period of time, you have to fly and planes are still being filled, you know. And so I think that, that there's a big difference between air travel and motor travel. So you're telling me if you're uh, if you're going to not fly, your first move isn't going to be to go buy a motorhome? <laughs> that's what i'm telling you how many motorhomes could you buy for 10 billion dollars i mean you yeah. buy all of them yeah. so and, e and even then the people that aren't, aren't gonna fly i mean even if they were to travel it's uh how many of them actually would feel comfortable driving a bus i mean we might feel uh, uh an insurance if industry anything, if, with if you're getting a motorhome you're probably saving money i mean again not to be insensitive here but like you're probably saving money if you now don't have the expense of rent or you're d opting out of your mortgage payments for a motorhome like you're you're saving money i don't understand uh i mean you know we don't know the full story so i can't go too deep but 5 billion 10 billion bailout for for that industry i think is uh is a little uh over what yeah i think i mean 15 billion in total i think uh, there there are definitely other uses of it that's going to fuel the economy more than uh cropping up uh, uh motorhome industry it is a big industry though i know they they can Prize slang some numbers. they can slang some of them you don't even yeah so going on to our final final story. So China vows to retaliate against the U.S. for using smash and grab tactics uh, when it comes to this TikTok purchase. Um, China said that this is theft of their intellectual property. Um, it's funny because the U.S. is talking about how China's taken our intellectual property. So we're stealing what was stolen from us. And so there's that. Um you know, Trump said that uh, there's going to be a huge fee with this, whether it's going to be in the form of taxes, one-time payment, um, but the U.S. is going to make some uh, some money off of it. Um, and Secretary of State, I mean, he's mentioned that all these Chinese companies, all they're trying to do is take our data, use it against us, and uh, eventually plot a, a grand scheme to um, overtake the U.S. And so, and with all this, with all the threats coming in, I mean, our, our relationship is pretty, pretty, uh, you know, not heading in the right direction. Yeah. I mean. Should the U.S. even just shut this down? I mean, in terms of trying to buy it and just let it do its thing and kind of die off? Or, I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on the, on just this entire deal? I mean, should it happen? Yeah, 
it's tough. You know, TikTok continues to be in the headlines <laughs> and uh, and entrepreneurs. But I mean, you know, it's very black and white to me. There, we're asking for them to comply with data regulation standards that are set and met by companies like Facebook, like Microsoft, uh, as well as Apple, Google. They set these rules, and TikTok has continually gone over the line. And it's just like, if you're not going to comply with those rules that are set in this country and in the, in, in the countries that are uh, in question to be purchased, Australia, Canada, uh, then you can't, you're going to be blocked or you're going to be purchased or you're not going to play ball. And so to me, it's, it, yeah, you can, you can talk all about how the relationship between China and the U.S. is stretched thin. Of course it is. But, you know, we're, it's very black and white. You, you take the data, you got to take a step back and not take as much data, sell it or get banned. And so you have three options and I, I don't understand how this is a negative blowback on the U.S. for setting a precedent here. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's, it's uh, you know, from TikTok's perspective, it's like, okay, it, it's going to be hard to introduce a new brand as opposed to leverage someone that has, that's been in the market for years as a technology leader. Um, I mean, if the whole goal is to grow this TikTok brand and not share the data with China, right. then it's like, well, it's a no brainer to, to leverage Microsoft. And I mean, at the end of the day, if they're not sharing any data, then I don't well, see there. Is this a question of intellectual property or distribution? Because in terms of intellectual property, I can go on 10 different apps and make a Yelp clone or a Bubble. Airbnb clone in five seconds. So it's not a matter of intellectual property. I mean, Vine was out before TikTok and Musical.ly and all that doing short form video. You don't own short term or short uh, videos. It, so, you know, I mean, we've seen continuously Facebook, you know, make clones of these products. It's not a matter of intellectual property from a technology standpoint. It is distribution. And, you know, again, if you don't comply with the distribution that you have in terms of the rules and regulations in the country, then I'm sorry, but you're at fault. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's, <laughs> what's interesting is, uh, I mean, they mentioned how AI in the algorithm is what's fueling mm. the growth. People are loving it. And so I'm wondering if, uh, if it's the and data that Microsoft is after, <laughs> it's the AI technology. I mean, it could be. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it could be. I, I mean, you, with how much data they have, it, they said it literally would take, uh, a, uh, it would take a whole year to transfer the data from their servers to U.S. servers, um, and that's using Microsoft. There's there's literally only a handful yeah. of companies that can even make it happen. But it's crazy. We digress. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, but uh, yeah, watch out TikTok, Microsoft. Things change in there. Um, outside of that story, because I think that's obviously a big uh, piece of the headlines. I love seeing uh, you know companies like Mountainside come out of the woodwork, represent Arizona and set huge precedents. I think this kind of story went by the wayside a little bit, but uh, yeah, I think it's a huge win and definitely something that uh, is going to be referenced for years to come. Yeah, and I'm excited about the new PPP program or uh, uh, something similar, the restart program. I mean, love to see it get to use and just get people back to work in and get back to normal. I don't want to use the, the new normal. Amen. Back to normal. Amen. Well, uh, thank you guys for tuning, with, uh, tuning in today. Uh, again, you're watching the Non-Corporate Network, the worldwide leader in entrepreneurship. Uh, this is Entrepreneurs. If you have a message you want to share with the world, check us out at ncmbroadcast.com. Apply to start your own show. Uh, we'd love to work with you. We'd love to use our resources. Um, your fee for watching today is to share this with somebody that, is, uh, that you think is uh, relevant 
to the conversation, whether it's a small business owner, whether it's somebody in the entrepreneur community, we want to get the word out there. We want to help uh, educate our entrepreneurs. And, uh, you know, if you have a story or something you want to hear us talk about, reach out. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, anywhere, anywhere you can think of, we're there. So, uh, you know, and check us out on the podcast. If you're, if you're not listening to the podcast now, check us out, Apple, Spotify, search up entrepreneurs. We're there. Uh, but with that, Dustin, do you have anything you want to add? Nope. I'll take the W today and uh, we'll see you guys <laughs> Friday. Yeah, we got to keep track a little bit better here. I don't know about that. All right, guys. Well, take it easy. Get to grinding. We'll see you on Friday. Peace.